Science in diction and fact over fiction. Learning and growing and healing afflictions. Authentic and supportive, knowledge a plethora. Welcome to the Library of Alexandria. Hello! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Library of Alexandria podcast. Today is Christmas Eve. So for those of you tuning in today, Merry Christmas Eve. John and I are sequestered to our loving box that we call our home, our apartment here in Denver. Uh, We're still quarantining. We were going to go to St. Louis to visit family for Christmas, but these COVID cases are on the rise and we are staying here. Fortunately, this works for us because we're both homebodies and we're both highly sensitive, so we are easily overstimulated and overwhelmed by travel, and especially when we are not in the comfort of our own home. Although, of course, we would love to be spending this magical time of year with our family. We were really looking forward to that. But alas, it is the height of COVID season. We're in the what? Are we in the third wave now? I don't even know. Although I must say, This is the second year in a row that John and I are spending Christmas by ourselves at home here in Denver, and it's quite pleasant (laughs) because it's very low stress, it's simple, and like I said, we love being home anyway. We've got Herman, we've got Theo and Zuni, our furry babies, and we're just here in our cozy little home. We have mountain views from our couch, from our bed. It's just, it's quite lovely. It's stress free. I highly recommend to all HSPs, if it feels aligned for you to stay at home, whether that means having people come to you and your house or staying at home by yourself, I encourage you to do it. Do what's going to protect your peace. And speaking from personal experience doing this and being a highly sensitive person, it's quite nice. Nevertheless, I am missing that magical, beautiful, fulfilling family time. We'll be sure to make it happen this summer, given that COVID is over. Okay, let's get into the topic for today. The topic today is intuition versus ego. And the reason I want to focus on the topic is because both intuition and ego play similar roles in our psyches. They both aim to problem solve. Both aim to keep us emotionally and physically safe. And they both represent key parts of our identity. Now here are the main differences between intuition and ego. Intuition is secure, whereas ego is insecure. Intuition gathers all of its information and data and knowledge, all of its wisdom from only one source. And that source is you from your highest, most authentic, innate self. It's gathering information from what you know and believe to be true based on your uniquely individual experiences, which influence your knowledge, values, and beliefs. Which is why anytime your intuition confronts you, it's always going to present you with only one solution, one answer. It's secure. Ego, on the other hand, gathers all of its information, knowledge, and data, all of its wisdom from external sources outside of the self which is why it always presents us with a diverse range of possible solutions, possible outcomes, possible results, possible hindrances. It's insecure. This is why ego is never satisfied, because it aims to please and appease others so that we may be approved by or gain power over others, whereas intuition is there and exists solely to honor you. This is why it's my mission to help people navigate life from a place of self-acceptance. Because when you accept yourself, you are accepting your intuition. 
Everyone's intuition is unique to them and has unique powers and skills and abilities unique to each person. So when we navigate life from a place of self-acceptance, we are then able to operate via fierce intuition. And that means we are able to make choices and decisions with security and without guilt or shame, without confusion or uncertainty. So it is very, very important that we hone the skills of our intuition. Understanding and utilizing our intuition to serve us is a practice. It's something that's going to take dedicated time to learning and honing those skills. It's a practice in self-understanding. It's a practice in nurturing and maintaining a conscious relationship to self. Something important I want to underscore here, ego is not all bad. It's a necessary part of the self that provides positive and beneficial functionality. Ego gets a bad rap because in many of our cultures and societies, we are constantly told that ego is bad, that it's negative and harmful to the self and to others. And I got to thinking, at what point did language evolve to warp the definition of ego to what it is in present day? Because if you look up the Oxford English Dictionary definition of ego, It's going to define it as a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. What? What is that? We don't need another word for that. We need to just call it what it is. Just call it self-esteem or self-awareness. Now, here's the psychoanalytic definition of ego, which is what I think we should be using anyway, because all human beings, we should be psychoanalyzing everything we do, every action we take, every choice we make, every thought we have. That is mindfulness. That's self-awareness. So that definition, the psychoanalytic definition of ego is the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. Now that is an accurate and appropriate explanation of ego. It's a very common misconception that Buddhists believe that ego is useless and harmful and that they aim to eradicate their ego and essentially pursue an egoless life. It's also a common misconception that they fervently teach principles to alleviate ego. And this is not correct. It's actually the opposite. I'm going to read something to y'all from an article that I discovered, and I'll be sure to put a link to this article in the show notes. I'm going to read verbatim what it says. It says, Buddhist scholars agree that ego is a mental construct we need to navigate the world. While in the Buddhist context, you may often run into the phrase, the sense of separate self, Its core meaning is very similar to the Western concept of ego. The Buddhist tradition recognizes the psychological importance of the ego. But as Buddhist teachings about the illusion of separate self migrated to the West, the illusion part became more pronounced than the usefulness of ego. The result is that many Westerners who explore Buddhist ideas today get the impression that they should kill their ego. It only seems logical once you grasp that it's illusory. On top of that, we often judge the ego as bad because we associate it with selfishness and arrogance. Okay, so those are direct quotes from an article titled, Why You Should Hold On to Your Ego, According to Buddhist Scholars. It's from the Self-Awareness blog. So therein lies the explanation for the modern Western misconception of ego. I'm going to continue reading some direct quotes from this article. It says, When ancient ideas get transferred to another culture, they often lose their context. Because they are detached from their roots and planted on foreign ground, the fruits they bear are often deformed. The concept of selflessness, useful in navigating spiritual path within the Buddhist culture, may bring very different results when planted in a contemporary Western mind. One reason this is so is that self-hatred is so common in Western culture. Buddhist abbot Tanisa Robiko 
points out, the Dalai Lama isn't the only Asian Buddhist teacher surprised at the amount of self-hatred found in the West. Unfortunately, a lot of people with toxic super-egos have embraced the teaching on egolessness as the Buddhist stamp of approval on the hatred they feel toward themselves. Ooh, wow. That is heavy. So many people in Western culture hate themselves. And that is the sad and powerful truth. Self-reverence is very lost on many of us. And that quote from the Buddhist monk, Tanisaro Biko, he mentioned superego. Do y'all remember this Psych 101 shit, learning about Freud and the id, ego, and superego? It is. It has that iceberg picture and the ego is at the top at the surface, whereas the id and superego are below the surface under the water. Y'all remember that? So the superego aims to be a perfectionist. And so that's always bad. Being a perfectionist is extremely harmful to the self and can absolutely be harmful to other people. And that's why he was talking about toxic superegos, toxic perfectionism. Okay, I'm going to continue reading from this article because it sums everything up very, very well. The article continues to say, when you interpret self-hatred or even just unhealthy low self-esteem as a sign of egolessness, you experience spiritual bypass. Okay, end quote. These are now my words. I am going to have to create an episode, probably more than one, specifically on the concept of spiritual bypassing. I am extremely passionate about getting people to understand the truth and extreme harmfulness of spiritual bypassing. And I see it happening so much, especially here in Denver, where there's a lot of woo-woo people. I see it everywhere. And I actually experienced severe emotional trauma from someone who I thought was my friend, someone who I thought had earned the right to hear my personal story of trauma and abuse. And that's another story. I'll have to say that in the other episode, but they completely gaslighted me the entire time I told my personal story of parental abuse and trauma. And they were using spiritual bypassing as a coping mechanism to one, deal with what I was telling them because what I was telling them was dramatic. And two, using it as a coping mechanism to, they were trying to better themselves by trying to get me to adopt the principles of spiritual bypassing, even though they were not even aware that spiritual bypassing was what they were experiencing and what they were what they were championing. I am still processing the trauma from that conversation, which occurred literally a year ago. It was December 2019. <sighs> and that person absolutely does not have access to me anymore. Okay, so I will have a separate episode about spiritual bypass, but in the meantime, I'm going to continue reading direct quotes from this article. We're going to leave off where we, we're going to continue where we left off, which was about spiritual bypass. Okay, the term spiritual bypass was coined by John Wellwood, a Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist. He used it to describe a more general, quote, tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Spiritual bypass happens when you try to erase your ego before you make it functional. This usually leads to reinforcing your psychological issues instead of resolving them. End quote. These are now my words. So yes, it is very common in Western culture to believe that an evolved and progressive psyche is one that does not subscribe to ego, one that has eradicated ego. And we now know that that's not true. Okay, I'm going to read one more thing from this article, and this quote was actually taken from a quote in a Psychology Today article, and I will also be sure to link that in the show notes as well. Greg Enrique, PhD, says, A more modern conception that is certainly related to Freud's is to consider the ego as the self-consciousness system. 
the self-consciousness system is the narrating portion of human consciousness that reflects on one's thoughts, feelings, and actions, and inhibits or legitimizes them to oneself and to others. In this sense, ego is very similar to what is meant by the term identity. I'm going to explain what that means in detail by sharing with you the six elements of ego functioning provided by Greg Enrique, PhD. This is from a Psychology Today article, and I will be linking that in the show notes. Ego function number one, the degree of insight. To quote Dr. Enrique, he says, the most basic function of the self-consciousness system is awareness of the processes that are influencing the individual. Individuals with high levels of insight know how they feel, what makes them tick, when and why they have conflicts, conflicts, and what they need to feel fulfilled. Individuals with poor insight engage in more primitive psychological defenses like denial and either are clueless about who they are or try to convince themselves they are something they are not. End quote. These are now my words. This is why I am always preaching about the importance of a conscious relationship to self, preaching the importance of understanding the self, preaching the importance of navigating life from a place of self-acceptance so you can operate via fierce intuition, unwavering self-respect, and complete authenticity. It is paramount, it is necessary that we understand ourselves, why we think the way we do, why we're feeling physically and emotionally the way that we're feeling, why are we reacting in the way that we're reacting, why are we processing this in the way that we are processing it. Ego helps with that. Dr. Enrique continues, ego functionality number two, the degree of agency and self-directedness. Oh my God, so you know I love the sound of this. He put the word agency in there. Oh my God, I preach about personal agency all the time. Okay, this is what he says about this. Agentic individuals see themselves as able to control key aspects of their environment and guide their behavior with purpose. Oh, yes, that's so true. He continues, they are able to engage in self-directed behavior, effectively guiding their actions toward goals across time, can manage impulses, and are resilient in the face of setbacks. In contrast, Low agentic people have an external locus of control, experience life as happening to them rather than the reverse, have no direction, and often feel dependent on the whims of fate or the environment in terms of what happens to them. They also are impulsive, responding to the needs of the moment rather than inhibiting their immediate desires for longer term goals. Oh my God, this is why personal agency is so important. It guides us with direction and purpose because when we use our personal agency, we can use it to create any situation we want. We can use it to control our environment in ways to serve us. Ah, brilliant. Thank you, Ego. Ego functionality number three, the degree of self-esteem, acceptance, and compassion. Dr. Enrique says, closely related to agency is the theme of esteem, which is the extent to which an individual respects and values themselves. Hello, everyone. Self-reference. He continues, although self-esteem became an overblown construct in the 80s, it certainly is the case that feeling good about oneself, being able to accept one's faults or limitations, and having basic compassionate feeling towards oneself as a complicated being is extremely important. In contrast to self-discipline, although many with low self-esteem have poor self-directedness, it is possible that an individual might exhibit much self-directedness, but may also be extremely self-critical and lacking in acceptance and compassion, which is why the two are conceptually separated. Recent research has, appropriately in my view, emphasized self-compassion 
as a better way of fostering mental health than trying to directly raise self-esteem. End quote. I completely agree with that last statement there that Dr. Enrique said. He says self, he, he believes that self-compassion is the better way of fostering mental health than trying to directly raise self-esteem. That is true in my personal experience, and it makes sense logically. Thank you again, ego. Ego functionality number four, the degree of empathy with others. But you didn't expect that. Dr. Enrique says, as James Mark Baldwin aptly stated, ego and alter are born together. What he meant by that is our sense of self emerges in close relationship to our sense of others and how they treat us. Indeed, because ourselves exist within interdependent networks of other people, because we initially understand ourselves through the lens of mirrored others, and because our identity is very much about narrating and legitimizing our actions to others, a key aspect of ego functioning is the capacity to understand others in a complex manner, whereas insight refers to the capacity to understand oneself Empathy refers to the capacity to understand others. Okay, so these are my words. So ego helps us understand others in a complex manner, which ultimately helps us and allows us to empathize with others. How cool is this? Ego functionality number five, the degree of integration, purpose, and thematic coherence. Dr. Enrique explains, we all have different parts, alternating self-states, and various social roles that we fill. The question here is the extent to which the ego has a meta-narrative position that links the parts together into a coherent story. End quote. I'm going to paraphrase here. This is why I speak about the importance of knowing, understanding, and accepting who we are, what our values are, what our beliefs are, what our goals are. How are our values and beliefs going to nurture the life that we want? How are we going to create the life we want based on those values and beliefs that we cherish and hold dear? It's important to understand why we feel the way we do emotionally and physically. Why are we reacting physically and emotionally in the way that we are doing so? It's so necessary to have a deep and concrete self-understanding because when we do that we're able to nurture inner security we're able to nurture a secure sense of self and ego helps us to synthesize our values our beliefs our goals our desires and who we are innately based on our unique experiences and based on nature to create a life that is truly in alignment with what we want, that is truly in alignment with our values, with our desires, with our beliefs, with what makes us happy and with what brings us peace and with what makes us feel the most authentic and secure. And finally, the last and final ego functionality on this list is the degree of philosophical and moral development. Dr. Enrique concludes... To develop a complicated narrative of the self, one that has purpose and coherence, one must place that in the context of a worldview. As such, to assess ego functioning, one must assess the extent to which an individual has developed a philosophical point of view. The degree of sophistication of that perspective, its complexity and breadth, and the extent to which it provides the individual with a sense of direction towards what is good and virtuous, or not, is a crucial component of ego functioning. End quote. These are now my words. I'm going to paraphrase here. So because ego helps us to understand others in a complex manner, 
It totally makes sense that ego would also function to help us navigate the world, navigate this home that we share with others in a way that is aligned with our values and beliefs, in ways that are aligned with the world that we want to live in, in ways that are aligned with the world that we want to create for ourselves and for others. Okay, we are done with that article and the list of six functions of the ego, although I do want to share one more key functionality of the ego. The ego allows us to make decisions and take actions that are respectful of others, socially appropriate, and morally acceptable. Essentially, ego grounds us in reality. It's a reality check. It allows us to make realistic choices. For example, if someone very much angers you, whether it's somebody you know or even a stranger, you may have an internal desire, a strong internal desire, to punch that person in the face. However, ego is going to stop you from doing that because punching someone in the face is not a realistic reaction. It is not going to bode well for you. It is not respectful. It's not socially appropriate. It's not morally acceptable. You will look like the asshole if you punch somebody in the face because you did not show restraint. So ego functions in that positive way as well. Real quick before we sign off, I just want to say that the misconceptions of the meaning of ego and the function and role it plays in our psyches and in our cultures and societies drives me nuts. It makes me so angry. I have a personal experience, oh my god, in which, again, someone who I thought was my friend turned out to not be. I said to him, I said, I am a change maker and a thought leader and I'm going to change the world. And you know how he responded? Oof. He responded by saying, I hear some ego in that, so you might want to take a more humble approach. (sighs) Okay. (sighs) Oh my God. So you all know that I reject the concept of humility and that I can't stand it because it's counterintuitive and it's counterproductive, especially when it comes to the, the societal expectations held up for women. Oh my God. So that already made me extremely mad. And keep in mind, this is a male and it is a white male. So for this to come out of his mouth, for him to have the caucasity to utter that is just astounding to me. But no, he chose to show his whole ass and act the fool and say something so completely absurd absurd. And you know what? I'm going to count that as a microaggression because I am, first of all, a woman, but more importantly, I am a black woman. So there is no way I am going to dumb down my voice or my confidence in myself or reduce the passion I have for the mission and movement I'm furthering. How dare this man? He also does not have access to me. This fool, he also told me he doesn't read. He's like, I don't read. And I'm like, why don't you read? He's like, when am I going to have time to read? Fool, you make time to read. And I said, well, what about listening to audiobooks? Does that serve you more? Does that feel more aligned? And he said, when am I ever going to have time to listen to a podcast? I said, I don't know, maybe when you're driving? This fool said, well, when I'm driving, I'm usually texting or doing Insta stories. What in the actual fuck? We clearly were not aligned for each other. And that's okay because anytime someone in your life leaves that is not aligned, it just brings you that much closer to your aligned community. All right, everyone, this concludes this episode. I know it was a little longer, so thank you for bearing with me. I hope it served you. I hope it expanded your mind. I hope it affirmed you. I hope it validated you. And of course, I hope it empowered you. I'm wishing you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Stay safe, stay warm, stay peaceful. Remember, protect your peace. Keep that top of mind. Love you all, and I will see you. Well, actually, my next episode will be on New Year's Eve, I believe. Oh my goodness, so I will talk to y'all before the new year. Cheers! Baby, baby